0: for leading us today Dave thank you important hard word but thank you for doing it well for us and uh, yeah it, it is a real privilege and a blessing to to share together for a few minutes from Scripture as part of our worship this morning and uh, I have to say very strange mixed emotions standing here uh, on, on the one hand just uh, incredibly grateful to, uh, to look to scripture together with my own church family that has been so important in my life for these uh, 19 years uh, that I've been here at this church. Uh, and yet at the same time, I feel sad uh, as I, I stand here where Pastor D has so faithfully stood for so many years, so a weird mixture of emotions. Uh, I feel sad, I know that you do too, um, but I continue to pray. And uh, I know that you do too. Uh, Well, as I was uh, thinking about our time together this morning and and thinking about the passages of Scripture that the church has given us, and you've heard some of them read this morning, my mind was kind of drawn to another passage that is related to those, but is a passage that I think has a really important word for us right here in this place this morning. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I just want to start with a little bit of... um, uh, confession, I guess, if I may. And uh, I don't know if anybody here will relate to this. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But uh, I've noticed something in my life, and I just want to kind of confess it a little bit this morning. So um, so here goes. Uh, I, just toward the end of the summer, I had a birthday. Uh, it was the big... 50 birthday, so yeah, I know, Uh, and well, I don't know if that's cause for rejoicing, but thank you, and uh, but but I've noticed something that is going on in my life, and I'm not happy about it, and I just want to confess it, and again, I don't know if anyone else will relate to this, or maybe it's just me, but here it is. I've noticed that the older I get, the more pessimistic I tend to be. I don't know if I'm the only one, not sure, but I've just noticed it. The older I get, the more pessimistic I tend to be about my life, about the world, about what I see around me. And I mean, I've always had disappointments. I mean, things like that have always happened, but I've just noticed this tendency that the older I get, the more pessimistic I tend to be. Now, I wanna say, to be fair, I think there are definitely things that we see, we witness, we experience that legitimately push us toward a sense of pessimism, even a despairing, even a, a hopelessness sometimes. I mean, we can look at things we see around the globe. We can see things here, you know, even in our own country or our community. Certainly, we can talk about what we have been going through as, as a church, or even in our own lives, or the lives of our family members. So I I think surely it's true that there are things that we experience that legitimately push us toward a a pessimism, a despairing, a hopelessness. In fact, to, uh, to use the words of an old hymn of the church, we might find ourselves asking, is this my Father's world? This, and is it still? And so I want us, for just a couple minutes this morning, to look together at a passage of Scripture that I think meets us right at that place this morning. So if you have your Bible or your phone and uh, you want to take it out, I'd love for you to follow along. We're going to turn to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel this morning, and we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 37 Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning and in just a second when we begin to read here in Ezekiel 37 we're going to be reading one of the more uh, famous maybe one of the more familiar stories of the Old Testament uh, because chapter 37 is the story of the prophet Ezekiel and the valley of the dry bones so maybe you know this story uh, or maybe you remember the old spiritual song you know that one Ezekiel connected them dry bones Ezekiel can you know that what your foot bone connected to you ankle bone ankle bone come on up Austin let's do a written no, just... on <laughs> nobody showed up for that this morning now hear the word of the Lord okay um uh, But the thing is, is that that song is is kind of a fun song. But the thing is that the story that we actually get in Ezekiel 37 comes in a moment that was not at all a fun moment in the life of the ancient people of God in the Old Testament, the people of Israel and Judah. In fact, one of the very first things we're going to hear the people say in this story is they're going to say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone, and we are cut off. That's what we're going to hear from the the people of God in the story. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are completely cut off. Now, what would make them say that? The the prophet Ezekiel was uh, living and kind of preaching among the people of Judah back in kind of the early 500s BCE, and this was a time when we would definitely say the people of God had encountered a, 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 a dead end, a, a, a null point, almost a death moment in their life and their story. See, the, the mighty empire of the, the Babylonians had come through and, and conquered the kingdom of Judah and taken the capital city of Jerusalem, hauled a bunch of people off to live in forced exile forced deportation in the foreign land of Babylon. And the prophet Ezekiel was among those exiles. He was, he was living in the land of Babylon among the exiles. And this was a moment where they had really lost everything. Everything that had sort of made them who they were, everything that they believed in, kind of given them their identity, uh, was gone. They'd lost the promised land. They'd lost the city of Jerusalem. They, they'd really, their past was gone. Their present was exile, and they they had no future. It really was an end point, a a null point, a, a, a death moment. And it is right into the middle of that that in chapter 37, God gives the prophet Ezekiel a vision. And I want, if you would, for you to look with me a little bit at the vision that Ezekiel says he sees in his mind's eye here. Even try to maybe picture it in your own mind as we go through a little bit of it together here. Just right at the beginning of the chapter, here's how it all starts. Ezekiel begins by saying this, verse 1, says, "'The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley.'" And it was full of bones. Are you, are you getting this here? Verse two. He led me all around them, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. Okay. Can you, can you picture this here? Ezekiel says, I have this vision, and I find myself in the middle of a valley. Now that might not mean that much to to you and me, but in the ancient world, valleys were places where battles were fought. These were the places where you could find sort of the signs of the the victory and the triumphs and things like that. But did you notice, as Ego says, as he looks around this valley, he doesn't see signs of victory and, and triumph. What he sees everywhere are bones the bones of the fallen warriors. The slain and the defeated are all around him in this valley. And did you notice he said the bones were very dry? In other words, the, these bones had been there for a long time. There, there was absolutely no life left in these bones whatsoever. And did you also notice in verse 1 how Ezekiel said he got to this valley in his vision? Did you notice this? He says, He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. By the spirit of the Lord, uh, is, it, is it okay if we, we learn a little Hebrew in here today? Is that all right? Say, Ruth Moi knows she's in my Hebrew class right there. Ruth Mani, you know Hebrew never stops. OK. <laughs> Big exam on Monday. <laughs> good on you for being here this morning. That' is good. Uh, OK, so the, the, the Hebrew word for the word "spirit" is this great little word, Ruach." Ruach. you want to try to say it? Go ahead. Ruach. But yeah, if the person in front of you doesn't get a little wet, you're not doing it right. ruach, ruach, yeah, that's good. So the the word ruach means spirit, um, but it also means like like wind and breath. And so Ezekiel says that God brought me by by the the ruach Adonai, the the wind, the, the breath, the spirit of God, and placed me in this valley. And this is the moment where I think this story gets really interesting. Because look at what God then says to Ezekiel in verse 3. Ezekiel says, God said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I mean, what a bizarre question from God, right? It's almost like God's kidding around or something. It, can these bones live? In other words, God says, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones that you see sort of scattered all around the valley, these dead, dry bones, can they, like, come back together and, and be reformed and, and come back to be, like, real life human persons can can these bones live I mean what a strange question that is from God and that's why I really love what Ezekiel says right back to God in the rest of that verse did you notice this he says and I answered oh Lord God you know isn't that a great answer Ezekiel can these bones come back to life can they live again oh God you know I mean it's what I like about it, here's what I think I like about it. I like, I like it because Ezekiel doesn't give, like, mm, the typical church answer to this question. You know what I mean? You know how in every church, you've got, like, your optimists and your pessimists. Well, I mean, okay, not in this church. We don't have anyone pessimistic, okay, in other churches. There are optimists and there are pessimists. And, you know, Ezekiel doesn't give sort of the optimistic answer, and he doesn't give the pessimistic answer. You know what I mean? Like, in the, in, if you come in the, and you say, like, hey, can these bones live? Can these scattered bones come back to life and become real human beings? I mean, the optimistic answer, they're going to look back at you and you're say, you bet they can. I mean, we just need to get the right programs going get the right funding, get, you know, get Austin to lead the right music, get some outside forces off our back a little bit. Right? Like, you bet they can. They can happen. You know, that's the optimistic answer. Ezekiel doesn't give that answer. Nor does he give the pessimistic answer. You know what I'm talking about in other churches. If you can, Hey, can these bones live again? Can these dead, dry things come back to life? I mean, the pessimistic answer is going to say... Not in this church they can't. with this programming. Not with these financial needs. Not in this denomination. That's the pessimistic answer. Ezekiel doesn't give that answer. Ezekiel says, oh God, you know. In other words, Ezekiel says, God, if this thing's going to happen, you're going to have to do it it's going to be up to you to do this thing. And that's why I find it really interesting what God then sort of says immediately back to Ezekiel in the next verse. Look at this with me here, verse 4. Ezekiel says, Then God said to me, Prophesy to these bones. Literally, proclaim or preach to these bones, God says. And say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Here's why I like this. Ezekiel says, "Oh God, you know if, if this is going to happen, if this new thing's going to happen, you're going to have to do it. It's gonna be, but God comes right back and says, okay, Ezekiel, that's right. I'm going to have to do it. This is going to be me. But I need you to partner with me. I need you to act. I need you to pray. I'm not just going to do it on my own. I'm not just going to manipulate it into happening. I need you to partner. And what I need you to do, he says, is preach to these bones. And look how it goes on there in verse 5. It says, preach to the bones and say, thus says the Lord God to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you. There's our word, ruach. I, I will cause wind, spirit, breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews on you, cause flesh to come upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. What a scene this is! And if you remember what happens over the next few verses, starting in verse 7. Ezekiel describes what happens. He says, all of a sudden, I start to hear this noise, kind of a rattling sound, and the bones start to kind of move around, and all of a sudden, bones start to kind of move and connect to one another, and there's sort of bones like flying all over the place, and there's skin and stuff coming in, and he says, sooner or later, I look, and all around this valley, Ezekiel says, where once I saw just sort of scattered, dry bones everywhere, he says, now I see what look like Real human persons just sitting everywhere all along the valley. But notice, if you would, what Ezekiel observes about them. Look down at the very end of verse 8. Ezekiel says, all of a sudden I see now, instead of bones everywhere, I see what look like real human persons sitting all around. But at the very end of verse 8, he looks and he says, but there was no breath in them. In other words, Ezekiel says, I I see them, and they look alive, but they aren't really alive because there's no ruach in them. There's no wind. There's no breath. There's no spirit in them. And so look at what God then says to Ezekiel, starting in verse 9. Ezekiel says, then God said to me, prophesy to the breath. (laughs) Preach to the wind. (laughs) to the breath, to the Spirit, and say, say to that breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And verse 10, I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet, a vast multitude. What a scene this is. But I have to tell you this morning, I think where this story really begins to move toward its power is right here as it moves toward its conclusion. Because beginning in verse 11, God gives Ezekiel the interpretation of this vision. Like, what what is the meaning of this vision that he has seen? Look at it with me here in verse 11. Ezekiel says, then God said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. In other words, God says, these bones are my people. And they are saying, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone and we are cut off completely. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, say say to my people, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O oh my people. See, God says, I'm, I'm going to bring you up, not, not from your like literal graves, but I'm, I'm going to bring you up from that, that thing that you've decided is a graveyard. That thing that you've decided has no life left in it, no future, nothing that could be possible going beyond this moment. That, that dead end, that null point, that death moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you up from those graves, God says, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And then verse 14. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. What a vision this is. Wow. But I will tell you this morning, I, I think the real power of this vision is that this is not just the vision of an ancient Judean prophet and Judean people who lived, you know, thousands of years ago on the other side of the planet somewhere. Uh, I think the real power of this vision is that this is not just their vision, but this is our vision too. Because the message of Ezekiel 37, I believe, is this, that the Spirit of God is a life-giving wind that can make all things new. That's the message. The Spirit of God is a a life-freshening wind that can make all things new, even the dead ends, even the null points, even the death moments, even the exiles, even those things that you have totally given up on that you see no reason to think there's anything to be hopeful about here. No new life and possibility could come. Even those things, the Spirit of God is a life-freshening wind that can make all things new. Because notice what Ezekiel says, even to his exiles. He says, that same Spirit, follow me on this now, that same Spirit is the Spirit that was present with God In creation. Think back to Genesis chapter one, verses one and two. It says the, the spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and out of the activity of that spirit, God brings forth life. God brings forth creation out of chaos. God brings forth life where there wasn't any beforehand. And Ezekiel says to his exiles, that same spirit that was present with God in creation is present with us now in the exile. And we can say that same spirit is present with us right here in this place this morning. And that's the spirit of God that is a life-freshening wind that can make all things new. So this morning, I kind of think ultimately, ultimately Ezekiel 37, I think, is an invitation. And I think it's an invitation for you and me, both personally and, and for us together as a people, to live in the spirit, to live in that same spirit of God individually and together even as a church. So what what might it mean for us this morning to to live in the spirit? Personally and together as a group. I think at least there's at least two things for me that it might mean to live in the spirit. And the first one is if you live in the spirit then you are a person who has hope you are a person who has hope you are a person who believes in hope who argues for it who contends for it who fights for hope who sees it in places where nobody else sees it you're a person who has hope because why The Spirit of God is a life-freshening wind that can make all things new. It can bring creation out of chaos. It can bring life out of exile. It can bring beauty out of ashes. This is what the Spirit of God does. It's a life-freshening wind that makes all things new. So if you live in the Spirit, you live in hope. That's number one. But I think the other thing, what it means to, to live in the spirit for us individually and, and even as a group, is that if, if you live in the spirit, then you are a person who prays for God's spirit to blow. You're like Ezekiel. You preach to the wind. You pray that the spirit of God would blow onto those Persons and places and circumstances that seem like they are those graveyards. They are dead. There's nothing new and possible that can come out of those things. It's a death moment. You pray for God's Spirit to blow, maybe first into our own lives, that God's Spirit would blow across those things, those, those attitudes, those actions, anything in our life that needs to be, to be brought further into the image of Christ in our lives, but you also pray that God's Spirit would blow on others, friends, family members, on situations, countries, communities, even churches, even denominations. You preach to the wind. You pray that God's Spirit will blow. Why? because you believe that the Spirit of God is a life-freshening wind that can make all things new. So I will tell you this morning in one more confession (laughs) that uh, I really want to be a person who lives in the Spirit. Try and, you know, I, I really wanna be. I really wanna be a person who has hope? Who fights for it? Who argues for it? Who sees it in places where nobody else sees it. And you can, you know, you can call me naive or whatever. I teach in a school of theology at a Christian university, so you know, I've been called some things. It happens. And you can say naive if you want. But I I really want to be that because The Spirit of God is a life-freshening wind that I believe can make all things new. They don't always get made new in exactly the ways that we envision. I can't stand here, neither can Dave, and tell you what the outcome of things are gonna be, that it's gonna go the way we want it to go. I don't know the answers to those things, and it might not. But I know that God will still be at work trying to bring new life out of whatever situation comes. I want to be that person of hope. And then also, I, I want to be a person who preaches to the wind, who, who prays for God's Spirit to blow. Yes, into my life and into others and into circumstances, into things that need new possibilities newness of life. To preach to the wind is to live in the Spirit. And we do that because we believe the Spirit of God is a life-freshening wind that can make all things new. Well, this morning we're going to respond to the scripture by doing what is probably the very best practice we have in the christian tradition to represent new life coming out of death that is to share in communion and the lord's supper together And uh, we're going to do this very much in the way that we normally do. Uh, As we heard earlier, we have so great to have kids with us today. So again, parents, if you want to help navigate uh, your kids as you see fit through the communion time, that's great. But I will say for for the children and for all of us, uh, as you know, uh, there are many things that we celebrate when we eat the bread and drink the juice and take communion together, but one of those things is that we celebrate our participation through faith in the death and resurrected new life of Jesus Christ. That is, that just as Christ died and was raised to new life, so we, through faith in him, can die to an old self of sin and be raised to new life in the Spirit with Christ. And I invite you to to think about it that way this morning as we respond to the scripture together. So I'm going to ask uh, Austin and the band to come on back and they're going to help us. And then if our servers could come forward as well with Pastor Russ, we're going to do this very much in the way that we always